Gridiron Grinder, Hut Hut Hike. All right, it's Wednesday night, Gridiron Grinder time. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is my buddy James. Just a couple of dudes talking about what's going on in the NFL each week. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, episode 96, and for tonight, we're going to do uh, a recap of the 2022 NFL Draft, uh, and we're going to highlight our favorite picks from rounds two or later. Uh, and so we'll go through our normal agenda for the show. We'll start things off with Name That Stadium. Then we'll do a recap of the news from around the league. Uh, then we'll hit our main event and do our favorite picks. Uh, after that, we'll close things off with Question of the Week. And so uh, with all that being said, how's it going tonight, James? It's going all right. It's been a annoying day, but that happens when you rely on apps to deliver your food. <laughs> yeah, technology. It's, it's good until it doesn't work, right? Yeah. I got you. Well, cool. All right. Well, hey, why don't we uh, – let's jump into Name That Stadium. And so, James, if you don't mind, why don't you let everybody know what, what we're doing with Name That Stadium, how all that works. All right. So, basically, I kind of travel around. I go to different stadiums. We're mostly different stadiums every, every week, kind of. There tends to be a theme to the stadiums I pick, and – like during the off season and in the regular season, it's a home home game that week. And then whoever picks or guesses first where I am gets a special shout out in the, the following week's episode. And so last week I was in I was in Carolina, and I picked Carolina because it was I thought Carolina had a solid draft. I thought I was between them and Baltimore as probably my top two two drafts for the week and I knew that tied into the question of the week so I just rolled with it just so I went to Carolina didn't feel like Baltimore gotcha okay yeah you know I think uh this is a part of the show that maybe has had a little more success in the regular season things seem to kind of tail off in the off season here but um it's a fun little game we play and so you know if you think you know where James is at hit us up in the comments section all right, let's move it on here. Uh, looking at the news from this past week, James, what are some of the things that have stuck out for you, man? It's, you know, it's the off season, so there's not much. Apparently, like we talked about this uh, a while ago with um, when Urban Meyer was in uh, coaching Jags, like how fucked up everything was. But apparently, Josh Lambeau is suing the Jazz, uh, the Jags, for um, Meyer's misconduct of like kicking him and. Oh the fuck, yeah, like, the field goals and this and that, and like I mean, it's a whole fucked up situation. Like I can't really honestly believe that a head coach in the NFL would do that to their fucking kickers. Like, like yeah, Lambo said he w wasn't kicking them hard. He definitely felt it, but I mean, what this is? It's just kind of bringing back to like the whole Urban Meyer debacle in Jacksonville. Yeah, it was. Uh a disgraceful short run. I mean, man, it's just, you know, it, it just disrespectful, you know, kicking a player. I mean, come on. It's just, I don't know. It's, um, it's wild, man. It's wild. Yeah. Outside, outside of that, you had a couple signings like, uh, which is Mike Davis was signed by Baltimore, but then, you know, that's a busy backfield. Yeah. And like immediately after that, he uh, his house was robbed of jewelry and his cleats. 
I, you know, I saw something about that with the cleats and I thought, holy cow, man, I, I just feel bad. Like the poor guy, dude. I mean, they're even taking your cleats. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, uh, Sony Michelle landed another busy backfield landed in Miami. Yeah. And it's like, they got, they signed Mostert. Um, I forget who else. Edmonds. Edmonds. And now they have Sony Michelle. It's like. It's like last year I was bitching in the draft after the draft to like why the fuck didn't you draft a running back? You need a running back, and now that now they have their choice of running backs, which I mean Michelle probably hasn't had the career everyone thought he would have, but I mean he's still you know top top thirty running backs in the league. So and then Mostert, Mostert, like I mean they have three running backs that probably fall somewhere between sixteen and thirty in the league. Edmund should be top 10 if he's utilized correctly. So it's like, that's just a busy backfield too. Yeah, and you know that Mostert is going to fit that offense well, having been paired with that head coach out in San Francisco. And so, yeah, um, you know, everybody's just going to these like just crazy running back by committees. And it's, um, you know, it's a bummer. I mean, we talked about it. I, I was hoping to see Edmonds get more of kind of a, like a lead role and and that didn't happen in Arizona. You know, they, it just seems like he just never had the chance. And so, um, you know, but that's all right. You know, that's just the way the game is now. And it is what it is. Yeah. And then the big one, which it, it won't necessarily affect, affect this year, but like the biggest like news is apparently Tom Brady signed a 10 year, $375 million contract with uh, Fox once he retires to be their head analyst to take on, to take the um, Troy Aikman role. Oh, and wow. So, which is, I mean, it sucks for whoever they're going to put in there uh, alongside uh, Burkhead for this season because, you know, Brady's not, not going to play much more after the season, maybe one, two seasons. And, and then he'll have ten years, like thirty-seven and a half million dollars a year to to call games. Which, you know, I don't, I don't know if he. It's like you got to try him out first and give him such a big, big contract right off the bat. Like it's, it seems a little like Fox is trying to become relevant again with it. I got you. Because I mean, he. I've heard like he had a podcast or not a show on sports uh sports talk or sirius xm and it was it was terrible it was it was you're saying boring. brady did yeah oh it was, all right it was the most boring sports talk radio show i've ever heard ah yeah 10 years it's i mean i guess that's it's just bargaining power he's like hey if you want me you gotta you gotta pay up and you gotta lock me in long term and um yeah, you know, I saw that. I didn't know it was for 10 years, and I didn't know the amount, but um, it's freaking Brady, man. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, whoever's going to have that spot this year, you just know you got to make the most of it because it's got to be sort of like, a, you know, a stepping stone to something else because you're getting pushed out as soon as he's ready to go. Yeah, I, I mean, they're probably they're probably going to do this year with um, Greg Olson because that's who, who uh, Burkhart – I think it's Bur- I think it's Burkhart who's becoming their number one play-by-play guy. Um, that's who he was paired with like the last couple of years. So it's just been an assumption that it's going to be Greg Olson. Or is it just last year? 
Which, I mean, Greg, Greg Olson did fine. He, I mean, he had some, some kinks that he had to work out, but I mean, he, he did really, he, at least they tried him out. Like they, they tried Olsen out in like the regular season while he was still a player, like their bye week, and he did a good job. And yeah, yeah. I tell you, Romo, man, he's he's impressed me big time. I like watching Romo doing it. Uh, when Witten was giving it a rip, I kind of thought, eh, that was a tough one. You know, mm-hmm. he, you could just tell it wasn't like a natural fit for him. Uh, but you know, everybody's got a different skill set, and it's uh, it's cool when it works. You know. Yeah, it, it is, and like like Brady's contract, I, I believe Romo's last contract it was sixteen or eighteen million dollars a year for, I, I want to say it was ten years. Okay. And, uh, this this last round, and Brady's contract is double that. Romo's got to re up, man. He's got to say, look, you know, he might have been better on the field. I'm better in the booth. Pay yeah. me that money. <laughs> I mean, it's just. It's it's obscene how much broadcasters like the top broadcasters are getting paid, but it just shows you how much how much and then how much ad revenue they're getting and how much like just to the rights to broadcast the game is like a billion dollars a year for these for these cha- channels and then you're paying hundreds of millions of dollars to your your analysts it shows you how much ad revenue they're getting. All right. Well, I just changed my question of the week as I was thinking about some of the stuff, but it, it might seem stupid or it just is what it is. We're going to switch it on the fly here. Um, okay. Yeah. So in other news, you know, I saw uh, Jerry Hughes, defensive lineman signed with the Texans. Uh, he was with Buffalo for a while. Solid guy. You know, I know getting a little bit longer in the tooth, but I, um, you know, James, I got to tell you, man, I'm actually like fairly happy with what I'm seeing with Houston in this offseason. I think they're making some like sneaky good signings, and I think they had like a sneaky good draft. Um, you know, they they have a ton of needs, but they're like, I think like filling them pretty well as best they can. They just need them all to work out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I, I missed that one, but I mean that's that's a good fit for that de- defense. So we'll see see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just kind of skimming here, you know, seeing what else is out there for us to hit on. Yeah, I think I think that's good good for my end. Oh, well, did we talk about the James Bradbury thing? Well, we said last week that that he was expected to be released. And so that that's actually happened now. Um, I think they waited till Monday. Yeah. And so, you know, with that one, I mean, man, I looked at it and I kind of thought, geez, you know, like every time I see these moves, I think about like, oh, man, should the Lions get in on this? And, you know, we need a CB1 and we could go get this guy potentially and get the CB1, but we'd be paying a ton of money. We'd basically be maxing out our cap. Um, I don't think the Lions will do it. I just, um, it's like, man, if you wanted to try and make your team relevant this year, this could be one of those signings that if it worked, you know, could really boost your defense. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he's not like a, a total game changer on his own, but when you don't have a CB one, getting a CB one can make a world of a difference. Yeah. But like the issue is uh, the lions are like a year, two years away from be- being, having real hopes of being contention. And that's when you need to go out and get like some of these players. And I think they'll just be paying, they'll have to pay, like, you know, show the progression, start to get better to attract a free agent as opposed to way overpaying for the free agent. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm good with that. You know, slow and steady. Get it right. I do wish that they would have maybe filled a couple more holes in free agency. Um, but it's tough when you're in a rebuild like this. It's hard to attract people. And then, like you're saying, you don't want to, you know, basically blow all your dough until you're you're really in the position to do it. I just I look at what Cincinnati did the last couple of years where they they landed a handful of guys in free agency and it worked out. Then they, they landed a few more and it worked out. And then the next thing you know it's like all of a sudden things are looking really good. And it's like, well if you're not even taking those shots, you don't even really have the guys in the system to like re up them for a bigger deal. You know, and so it's um but it's it's all right, you know. It's it's working. They're they're going organic, and you know we're going to keep our fingers crossed. Uh, oh, the thing I missed is is it's tomorrow night the schedule release, and that there's been been leaks here and there, and like the one thing I like of what I'm hearing about the schedule is on Christmas Day they're having three games going directly at the NBA because traditionally Christmas Day belongs to the NBA. Okay. What one of the games are in Los An- is in Los Angeles, where the NBA always has a game in LA on Christmas Day. The Lakers are some somehow involved in the Christmas Christmas Day games for the NBA, and the NFL announced. Uh, I think it was the Broncos at the Rams for Christmas Day. So, what do you think? It's it's some um, interleague beef going on here. Well, NFL it's like, flexing some muscles, like, hey man, we're gonna get the uh, we're gonna get the views. Yeah, it's the NFL knows they're they're king. Like, like the, for a while there, like up until probably like 2008-2010 area, there was never a Sunday or a Monday night. Was Sunday or Monday night? I know for a fact there was. They didn't have Sunday night games. During the World Series, because World Series games, like Major League Baseball, always had a Sunday night game for the World Series, and then the NFL said, "Fuck this, we're just gonna, just gonna go right, right directly at you, because we know we're king, and we'll get the viewers." <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, hey, if, if we're the top dog, why are we bending to everybody else? Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Well, you know, I mean, I hope they they do what they think is right for the league and for their fan base. And, you know, if it upsets MLB or NBA, you know, it's kind of like, okay, may the best man win. You know, if, if you, if your fans want to watch your game, cool. If they want to watch our game, so be it. We'll fight it out. But I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm a huge football fan, obviously. So, yeah, (laughs) I don't know how much football on Christmas day I really would be watching anyways. So, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. Maybe when we're older, you know, I don't know. Even even then, probably we'll st- we'll always be with family. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
it's di- you know and then it's different because like thanksgiving i think it's like assumed hey we're watching the lions game mm-hmm. you know and but i guess it's uh i don't know how do you how do you start that tradition on christmas too you know it's a little harder of a move well well this year it happens to work out cuz christmas day is uh is a sunday okay so they're leaving three games on Sunday. Uh, CBS, Fox, and NBC are all having a, one game on Sunday each, and then um, the rest of the slate's going to be on Christmas Eve. Gotcha. So, but it's it's like last last year Christmas was on a Saturday, and they had a, had a couple games, and apparently it worked for them. I I wasn't able to watch the games, but. I think Detroit was one of them last year. Yeah, people were digging it. I want to say it was Detroit and Houston on Christmas Eve for some reason, which doesn't make sense. Because, like, they were two shit teams last year. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I'm not sure. Okay, it would have been week uh, 16. Or it was it was a potential game. It might have been the year before. Okay. Actually, yeah. Last year was 49ers, Titans, Browns, Packers, Colts, Cardinals. So it must have been the year before. Because I remember being up. Uh. uh up in Cambria on Christmas. Was it, oh, it was the day after. Oh, no, it was Saturday. It was the day after Christmas. It was uh, the Buccaneers and the Lions. So then we'd, I must have been remembering right, though, for 2021. That, that, let me check that. Sure. Lions and the Falcons. I don't. Remember. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, so Lions and the Falcons was that week for last year. So I don't know. I'm remembering something fucked up. Yeah, it's all good, man. All right. Well, hey, why don't we kick it over and we'll do our uh, 2022 NFL draft analysis and give our favorite picks from rounds two or later. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, man. And so we can do this whatever way you want here. I kind of got mine organized by round. We can do it by position. We can jump around. We can do whatever the heck. What are you thinking, man? We can. I'm I'm good to go go by round. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's do round. Let's start at. Um, you know, we'll start with the the hot stuff. Let's start round two, and we'll work our way down. I think there's there's picks in every round. Um, you know, and uh, why don't you uh, take it off here, man? Give me your your uh, your favorite pick from round two. My favorite pick from round two is Sky Moore being drafted uh, number fifty four overall, which was twenty second pick of the second round. Okay. To to the Chiefs, I think I think Sky Moore and his skill set is very similar to the Ty- to Tyreek Hill's skill set. And I think Skymore has a little development to do to become Tyreek Hill. Um, look at that. My order 
food fucking finally arrived, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, Sky, so, so, but Skymore Sky has a skill set similar to Tyree Hill. He can stretch the field. He can he can make those home run plays. He has has a little bit of um, development to do to be Tyree Kill, but Tyree Kill wasn't Tyree Kill instantly. And they ha- since they have similar skill set, I don't know how much. I don't think it's going to be much of a drop off down the line by not paying Tyree Kill thirty million a year like he wanted and trading him instead. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. They they had a need there, and yeah, they got it in the second round. That's uh, if he can fill that spot. That's that's a good fit. Uh, I went with uh, offensive lineman Luke Gadecki from Central Michigan, and I know you're you're going to think I'm just a homer for doing it, but uh, he was picked 57 overall by Tampa Bay. He played right tackle at Central on on what was a stacked offensive line, um, and it, he's got. I guess you would you would say one of his only real knocks other than being from a small school is maybe shorter arms than people would want, uh, but which is also kind of why they're expecting him to kick in and play uh, right guard most likely for Tampa Bay, which arm length probably won't be an issue there for him. Um, I think he gets in there, and I think he starts right away. I think he's going to be rock solid, and I know I'm a, a, a biased Chippewa fan, but also, because of that reason, I get to watch these guys a little bit closer than others, and I, I saw just how awesome that offensive line was, and <clears throat> I think this guy could have a pretty much uh, instant impact in in half staying power in the league. You know, you you land a good offensive lineman, they could be on your squad for a long time, man. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you on on Kentucky or whatever. I'm I'm right there with you. I was I think I had him like second, third, like I had two offensive linemen as, as two and three. And they, I thought they were pretty interchangeable. Yeah. Um, so, but I thought, I thought that was an excellent pick. I All actually right. with ahead of him, uh, Cam Jurgens, who is uh, number 51 overall to, to the Eagles. Um, I think he's, Jurgens from Nebraska. He he'll be he'll eventually be Jason Kelsey's replacement. He's he's freakishly athletic, according to I mean this this quote from from Kelsey on on this on this guy. This guy is is a freak athletically. He has the best chance to be a difference maker at the center position. I like this kid a lot. I really do. And so you have you still have Kelsey there. You, you can groom him to be be his replacement. Um, and it's just, yeah, the rarity, the rarity of a player campaigning for the team to draft his successor tells you a lot about, about what Cam Jurgens can potentially do in the league at the center position. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just reading that they're saying he could start potentially at one of the guard spots this year Mm -hmm. because they think he's that good. And then move over to center when the time's right. So uh, I like that pick. You know, another one I liked from round two was uh, George Pickens, the wide receiver out of Georgia, going to Pittsburgh at 52. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, they've got a knack for finding wide receiver value in the draft. And I think Pickens possesses those traits of what you need to be a wide receiver one in the NFL. And, um, you know, they're in need of a wide receiver one. They've got a lot of changes going on on the offensive side of the ball. 
if Pickens can develop into that guy, you know, getting him in round two, that's that's pretty good value. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that pick. I was surprised I was kinda of surprised that Pickens lasted the second round. Um right on the same page here. That that would have been my for, my next one. So Oh yeah. So my next one since you took my next one, I'm gonna go with and, and this is the last one from the second round that I really, really like. James Cook. Okay. I think James Cook is yeah, it's Delvin Cook's little brother, and everyone's going to call him Delvin Cook's little brother. But I don't think that's going to last very long. Once you see, once they see him in the in the NFL, I mean, he he's a big play threat. He 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 has strength running through um through contact. I mean, he he worked on that specifically last season and and improved um immensely. And and he can he can either play in the backfield or he can play the slot receiver position and which is, which will be impressive to see. Yeah. I, um, I, I like the pick. I, you know, I just, I also am just curious how much they'll use him because of it. You know, it's just, it's tough with Josh Allen being just like the focal point, kind of like the be all end all of that offense. Uh, I would like to see them get the running back more involved. You know, I think it would be good for the team to have that extra element. And in the past, sometimes it was kind of hard to tell. Is it because the running backs just couldn't get it done? Or is it just because it's all about Josh Allen? But uh, I like James Cook, and it, it looks like he can do a lot to uh, help him out. So I think that's that's another good one, man. Uh, okay, well, here, let's go to round three. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you uh, my first one from round three. Uh, I, I got uh, defensive tackle Travis Jones uh, picked 76 by the Ravens. Uh, this was, man, I mean, just like another one of those like steel picks. The Ravens just had guys fall into them left and right in the draft. I mean, it was, uh, we talked about it last week. But uh, Travis Jones out of UConn, he's this massive uh, defensive tackle, nose tackle. Uh, he's going to come in and uh, he's going to help fill some of that void from Brandon Williams going out into free agency. And um, I mean, you know, this is just, it's like a classic Baltimore move, man. <laughs> they go out and they, they nail a guy who can have an impact right off the bat. And they got him in the freaking third round. Mm-hmm. I I think and for, for my, my number one, it was, it was Nicobe Dean. Okay from Georgia. Like I was shocked he 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 fell to the third round and and apparently apparently the reason he fell all the way to the third round is there's some sort of medical concern with him. Yeah, pectoral injury. Yeah. I I I, I didn't delve delve into, into it much, but but and, you know, he's a little bit on the smaller side for uh, for a linebacker, but I mean, he's he he was the leader on the defense on Georgia, which, which won the national championship, and defense won the national championship for Georgia. And he's he's sure, he's sure tackler, and he probably he probably closes faster than most people that play the linebacker position and on on um, on those tackles. So I I really like that pick, and like I said, you know I thought he would easily have gone in the first round and he to get him in the third round, I think is probably, probably one of the biggest steals of the draft. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I can't believe he fell that far. And I mean, we talked about it when he slid into the second round. I thought, wow, the Lions got to be taking this guy and it didn't happen. And then I heard about the pectoral thing and yeah, the, uh, his doctor like sending something to all the teams trying to clear him and, you know, just everybody was spooked. But I think um, third round, great spot for Philly to roll the dice. And if it pays off, it's going to, you know, it's going to pay off big for them. That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, and so I'm going to go back to the uh, the Central Michigan well here, and I'm going offensive tackle Bernard Raymond. Uh, he was drafted 77 overall by Indianapolis, and I actually thought the Central guys were going to be flipped. I thought Raymond was going to go in the second round, and Kadecki was going to end up going in the third, uh, just because of one, basically grading out as a tackle at the next next level and the other grading out as a guard, I thought that would have kind of changed their value a little bit. Um, either way, I think both these guys landed in great spots, and they both have perfect opportunity. Uh, Raymond, he's going to Indianapolis that needs a left tackle. Uh, he's actually replacing a Central Michigan tackle and Eric Fisher, who's no longer with the squad. Um, and he could start out of the gate. Now, he is a high school transfer student from Austria, he played at tight end before moving to the offensive line. <clears throat> Great size, physicality, and extremely good movement skills. Um, it's just very short playing career in football. And so uh, the Colts, you may have seen it, James, recently. They just brought in Dennis Kelly. Uh, they could potentially be using that as a move to kind of help ease Raymond into that starting lineup. Uh, either way, I think I think they found their left tackle of the future, and they got him in the third round, which is just freaking amazing. Yeah, I you you were high, like I didn't know much about 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 him um, going into the draft. I, I I didn't have him on my list, but the next person I had on my list was uh, Desmond Ritter. Uh, being drafted at number 74 to Atlanta. I really think the more I dive into Ritter and his capabilities, I like I told you, like I I told you going into the draft, like Desmond Ritter reminds me a lot of Josh Josh Allen. And he he has that that mentality. He's he has pocket poise, he'll benefit from from the play action and uh um elements of Arthur Arthur Smith's uh, offense. Uh and possibly, I really could see Desmond Ritter challenging, probably not not winning the starting role, but challenging Mariota for the starting role. Plus, I think Mariota and Ritter can play similar styles to where where the offense, if when Mariota gets hurt, like he inevitably <laughs> will, um, Desmond Ritter can just step in and they won't have to change the offense. So they'll have that consistency there. I just think it's the perfect, perfect situation for Ritter to excel. I gotcha. And yeah, how long do you think it takes before he, he's got the starting job? I, I could see him, I could see him potentially starting week one. So, okay. So you think it'll be soon, like in the first quarter of the season at the latest first Say by the by the halfway point. Okay. It depends on when Atlanta's bye week falls, I think. All right. Well, yeah, and, and we'll see the schedule this week, so that'll kind of help us project some things there. But, you know, Atlanta, I think 
not many people are expecting much out of them, rightfully so. They, they've got a lot going on that's not really been in their favor. And so, you know, typically when teams come out of the gate, if they're losing, 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 uh, there's like that inclination to switch it over to the rookie and see what you got. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, all right. So the, the last pick I had in the third round that I liked was um, inside linebacker Leo Chanel getting picked up by Kansas city at one Oh three. So this guy's out of Wisconsin. He's in my opinion, a very solid rounded inside linebacker. Um, You know, I think some guys are saying he needs to develop to be a full-time starter at the NFL level. I think he's, I think he's shown that he's got the physical ability to do it. He's a sideline to sideline guy, great run defender, tested well at the combine Um, you know, and I think, you know, he can even, uh, you know, rush the quarterback. He's got some blitz potential. You know, I, I like his overall ability. I think for a third round pick, this guy offers a lot of potential for the chiefs and it's a position that they've really kind of needed to fill on that defense for a while. And so hopefully he can, he can plug in that, that gap. Mm -hmm. And. I had one more for the, for the fourth round, and or sorry, third round. I my eye ju- eyes jump because that's cool. Hit it up, man. Um, third round, and it was uh, D'Angelo Malone, who was okay. outside linebacker drafted by Atlanta. I I think I think it's a it's a good pick. He's physical. He he's physical play style. He can basically has the ability to more or less let's call it flatten the quarterback and. In the pass rush, he's he can have an impact on as a rookie on on third downs and and think in Atlanta and that defense they, they fit perfect he fits perfectly again there. Nice, nice, yeah. That and they in Atlanta, I mean, they need a lot of help. So you know, when you can get it in those middle rounds, that's that's huge for bringing your team back around. Uh, Okay, so going over to the uh, fourth round, James, Uh, this is actually my my one and only pick of the fourth round, and, you know, hopefully you got more, but I don't know what it was. When I I went through the fourth round, I just kind of thought, man, I don't know, not digging a lot of these picks. I mean, not not that I wasn't digging the picks, but that I guess, um, to me, the good picks were kind of like right on par. There wasn't like... (laughs) <laughs> like a ton of like picks that I thought, Oh man, that's a steal, you know, but the one pick that I really liked was, um, uh, defensive tackle Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma getting picked at one Oh eight by the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this is a, uh, he's a six, four disruptive run defender. Um, you know, he's got good power, violent hands, the way that, that he's described on ESPN. I think, you know, his one issue is he's a little bit inconsistent as a finisher. Uh, but, um, you know, Cleveland, they got Miles Garrett on that defensive line. They had Jadavian Clowney and, you know, my thoughts on him. They may even re-sign him, bring him back. But, you know, I think if you can get another guy on that line, it's just going to make that defense so much more dangerous because, you know, right now it's just basically load everybody up against Miles Garrett you know, and then you can kind of shut them down. They got to have some other weapons there. Mm-hmm. So I like that pick. 
I only had one for the fourth round as, as well. And it was it was more of a fact that I liked the fit in the t- style offense that, that, they ru- that they run. And that's, uh, again, I told you Baltimore won the draft, and that's what I decided <laughs> um, last week. But it was uh, Charlie Kohler at number 128 overall. Yeah, you know, he may not have been highly touted, may not have had the stats last year. But, I mean, Baltimore runs two and three tight end sets. They need tight ends outside of Mark Mark Andrews that can catch the ball, that can um, can you know you know leverage leverages over over the middle middle and move the chains. And I think Kohler can he'll be able to produce in that offense. And I think think if Andrews gets hurt, which it's happened a couple times the last couple of years where Andrews gets hurt, has to miss some time. I think Kohler can take over as the number one tight end and not see much of a decline in production from the tight end position in that offense. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, so moving it on to <clears throat> the fifth round. Uh, the first pick I had here uh, was actually the first pick of the fifth round is uh, quarterback Sam Howell going to Washington at 144. Uh, he's the uh, quarterback out of North Carolina. And I see you shaking your head, James. I, I like that you're with me on this one. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, how – I mean, the way the quarterbacks fell in this draft, I think, like, what you're seeing here with Washington is a prime example of taking advantage of it. I mean, it's fifth round, and you're getting a guy that has potential to one day be your starter. I mean, it's – it's rare that that kind of thing happens in the draft. Usually <coughs> teams are chasing these quarterbacks and, and they're overpaying for them or overdrafting them rather. Howell slides. He's got arguably the best deep ball accuracy in this draft class. Um, I know some of his, uh, his, his technique needs to be refined, but he's going to have plenty of time to work all that out as he learns behind Carson Wentz who's not, we know he's not the long-term guy in Washington. And so Howell's got a great opportunity. I think he landed in a great spot. If it works out, you're talking an amazing pick, a fifth-round guy turned into a franchise starter. That's, you know, those are like good freaking feel-good stories. And you get the guy on such a deal of a rookie contract that that opens up your Super Bowl window if you can get your shit together. Yes. I'm just going to, I'm, I, my my note is, and it, it's almost, it's a direct quote from a draft analyst on the Howell pick. We all know what happened. I'm sorry. The commander's selection of Howell reminded me of C- of the Seahawks drafting Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I was thinking it, but I didn't want to say it. Howell's uh, delivery, strong arm, willingness to run if needed, and on the field leadership also remind me of Wilson. I mean, that's, that's all you have to say about Sam Howell. Yeah. And he was, he was my favorite pick in the, um, and probably of any of these picks we're talking about, he was my favorite pick. Like I, I thought he could theoretically have been a first rounder. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys mocked him in the first round, you know, at one point or another. And it's, um, 
this was just such a strange year the way these guys fell. But <clears throat> I think he landed in a great spot, you know, mm-hmm. especially with them going after uh, Dotson in the first round too. You know, now they got McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel. Uh, they got Logan Thomas at tight end. They got their running backs. I mean, it's like, wow, man. I mean, he could really be going into a really good situation if and when he's ready to take over that starting job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, who else Who else did you like from uh, fifth round here, James? I, the, the other person I liked in the fifth round, and this is because his knocks – are similar to Knox um, that Orlando Brown had coming into the draft, who was drafted in the third round when he was when he was drafted. But it's Darian. Sorry, the I look like an L for a second. <laughs> Darian Kennard. Oh yeah, uh, guard um, to to the Kansas shit. Kansas shitty Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs. Um, you know he's got strong hands. He's Big guy. He's a big guy, long arms, massive strong hands. Um, and once he's locked on, defenders don't get away. He's probably going to come into the season as a starter at guard for them. And it's it's I think it's a huge bargain to get their starting offensive guard in the in the fifth round, considering how shitty that offensive line has looked the last since the their last Super Bowl. Yeah, and they've been pumping some money into it, too. Now, I, mm-hmm. I tell you, with this guy, man, when I watch him, it just, like, he looks like a fucking Pro Bowl guard, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just has that appearance of, like, wow, this guy is, like, a physically imposing, mauler-looking kind of dude. And, um, yeah, I, there, <clears throat> I'll say this, James, and, and we say this a lot almost every year, is that you can find quality offensive linemen late in the draft. And, you know, if you're a team, you should always be taking swings on the offensive line later in the draft, especially on those interior positions. Uh, and I think that was a great pick there. Um, so the uh, the other guy I liked in this round was uh, cornerback Tariq Woolen. He was picked 153 by Seattle. Uh, and this is a cornerback out of UTSA. Uh, this guy, man, big size, 6'4", <clears throat> 205 pounds, and I believe he ran, like, in the 4'2"-ish range 40s. It was, like, blazing speed for how tall he was. 4'2'6". 4'2'6". I mean, blows my mind. And so This, this um, was my last guy in the fifth, in, in the fifth round, so... I, oh, I have, so I'm sniping to... him from you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I just, uh, in today's game you want to have these taller cornerbacks uh but you want to have them if they can get the speed to go with it because you've got these big fast receivers and i know it's actually starting to change a little bit it's coming back the other way but it's um uh, i think this was a great pick for seattle and he offers that kind of ceiling where he could develop into a long-term starter <clears throat> he's got to work on his inconsistency for sure but uh, the potential's there. And for fifth yeah. round, that's all you want is have have the potential. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of technical refinement, but, I mean, he, is, he has huge upside in both press and zone. Nice. All right, anybody else from the fifth round, or was that it, James? No, that was 
That was my last one from the fifth round. All right. Well, then why don't you kick off the sixth round so I'm not sniping you again? All right. In the sixth round, I think my favorite one is Ka- I don't know how to know. Ka- Kaonte Ingram. Okay. Kiaonte? Kia. That's an E. Sorry. Wow. My, I need to get new glasses. Um, so he was he was drafted at number 201 overall. And, I mean, to the Cardinals who just lost Chase Edmonds. And I think he has rushing receiving, um, rushing receiving skills to – to replace Chase Edmonds with the Cardinals, he can he can take over the workhorse when when the inevitable happens and James Conner misses time. Um, he, he runs through contact, and he'll probably he'll probably see a lot of work this season, which is how we wish the Cardinals used Chase Edmonds. Yeah. I think they could potentially, if they use him like we wanted the Cardinals to use Chase Edmonds, he could be he could be. One, one of those guys. Plus, it's a running back, which you don't want to draft a running back in the first round because you're automatic, he's automatically like the fourth highest paid running back if you draft him in the first round. In the That's higher true. Round. Yeah. Yeah, nowadays, you know, running backs, most teams, it's like a dime a dozen thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to watch where you're spending your money, basically. Look, look at what it's doing to Dallas, man. It's got him hamstrung with Zeke. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Trying to trade Saquon and can't even find anyone to. Yeah, yeah. If it doesn't work, you're stuck, man. And I mean, honestly, I'm I'm worried about what's going on in Carolina. You know, is McCaffrey gonna get back to form or what? You know, and I mean, he can do it. He just keeps getting hurt. But <clears throat> um, all right, so sixth round. Uh, this was the hardest round for me to pick a guy. To be honest, I I thought. Um, so I know, you know, fourth round, I really, there there were a lot of picks I liked, but I thought they were like appropriately placed. Uh, sixth round, I really, honestly, a lot of these picks, I kind of thought, geez, I don't know, man. I, I, I could have like scrutinized a lot of them in a lot of different ways. Uh, this one pick, I, I picked it because of a versatility thing, but it's uh, Jamari uh, Salyer, the uh, uh, offensive guard out of Georgia. He was picked 195 overall by the Chargers, and uh, he's a big guy, 6'3", 321. He's played all five positions on the offensive line, likely going to be playing guard for the Chargers. Uh, Physical tone setter, good power, uh, solid in the run game. Uh, But, you know, he does have some issues in this game. Uh, He gets a little high with his pads when he's on the move, limited mobility, limited range. Uh, but, um, you know, I think for this late in the draft, <clears throat> this guy may, he may not come in and be a starter, but I think he, he gives you sort of like that swing ability where if you have a guy get hurt, he can at least fill that void until you figure things out. And that's depth is important too, you know, and, and I, I think it's good to point out with this pick, actually, I'm, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of glad that I got this guy in this round is that, you know, finding a starter in a late round, it's hard to do, you know? I mean, that's why these GMs get paid a ton of money and they get it wrong more times than that. I mean, I think they say first round picks are only 50, 50, 
you know, and the further you go in the draft, the harder it is to find guys that are going to start. Um, and so, you know, you don't always have to be looking for the guy that's, you know, a potential home run hitter. <clears throat> you know, this guy, maybe the ceiling's not there, but he's going to offer you a fairly safe floor where you can use him in a lot of different ways. And so it's just a different strategy is all I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. The only other pick I had in the sixth round, we're still in the sixth round, right? Yes. It was Jasir Taylor, who was uh, DB drafted from or drafted by the Chargers. Look, the Chargers needed a nickel corner, and I think he fits fits that bill perfectly. He's, he can be play physical. While at Wake Forest, he played mostly outside. He has he changed the direction and ability for for the two way routes. He's I just think he he's he's the perf, he's a good fit for what the Chargers were looking for, and it with for a nickel corner, getting him in the sixth round, I think it, it has a lot of value to it. Nice, nice. I like that. Uh, okay, so let's kick it over to the seventh round, James. And um, I'll give you my favorite pick here. I'll start it off. Is uh, the offensive guard from Michigan, Andrew Stuber, went number 245 overall to the New England Patriots. Tall guy, 6'7", good size, 325. Uh, fundamentally sound run blocker. Uh, gets into position, leans on defensive linemen. Long arms, big frame. I mean, this guy is, uh, you know, I'm just looking at his notes here on ESPN. <clears throat> Predominantly played right tackle at Michigan. Has starting experience at guard where he's projected to be best in the NFL. Uh, you know, the Patriots, they took Cole Strange in the first round. I think this is basically insurance for that. If that guy doesn't pan out the way Belichick hoped, I think Stuber has the potential to start in the NFL. Maybe not right away, uh, but I don't think he's far off from getting there. And if you can find a guy like that in the seventh round, that's a great deal. I, I Honestly, I'm a little bit shocked that this guy went this late in the draft. Now, I, You know, the seventh round I thought was hard because – because a lot of these players, I didn't do much, get that much of a deep dive into them. It was more of a fit thing for for it. But I really liked Chris Paul, drafted number two thirty overall. He's he was listed as a guard. Um, the last two seasons at Tulsa, he played right tackle. Um, the two seasons before that, he he started as right, at right guard. So all four years, he started on the offensive line. He's has passport. He has from what I'm reading, spe- spectacular pass protection skills. Um, he has lower body po- power and aggressive aggressive nature to move people. I think this is a very a excellent pick for Wash- pick for Washington. You got to guard or possibly a tackle depending on where you want to play him. Um, and that's one of the things Washington needed needs is to rebuild that offensive line. And I yeah. I, I like this pick. Yeah, no, I'm good with it. And honestly, James, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> without going into detail on all these guys, I liked a lot of the offensive line picks in the seventh round. I liked Thayer Munford out of Ohio State. I liked Rasheed Walker out of Penn State. And I liked Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma. You know, I think all these guys landed on a good team uh, with a good opportunity. And I, I guess I'll just, uh, I can probably just skim here and let you let you know where they landed just since I brought them up. But uh, let's see. Uh, Munford 
ended up with the Raiders. You know, their offensive line, they've got some holes now. Uh, we already talked about Stuber. Rasheed Walker ended up with the Packers. They need some help on the offensive line. You know, he's he's got potential there. Uh, let's see, Hayes with the Cardinals. You know, I mean, honestly, this was like a, a great draft to take your shot on the offensive line later on. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Anybody else in the seventh round that you like there, James? The only one, the only other one, and it's more of, because he wasn't talked about like at all. And I, it surprised me because, you know, out here in California, a lot of times on Saturdays, you'll see, you'll see Cal games on, on TV. And it sounds like every time I turned on Cal, a Cal game last season and they were on defense, this guy was, around the ball no matter where the ball was this guy was making the tackle right there and he probably dropped probably wasn't picked too high because he was kind of kind of had a slow 40 time um but it's cameron good who was drafted by by miami is outside linebacker i think i think he's gonna he, he'll, he'll make an impact initially on special teams but could could play inside or outside linebacker for for miami um, as a as a rookie, or as, as a rookie, or as his career possesses, gotcha. Yeah, no, hey, that's that's a nice pick, and yeah, those guys, uh, especially those linebacker positions, man, you got to be able to play special teams early in your career uh, if you want to have that opportunity to even get a starting job at some point. So um, that's yeah, that's that's a good assessment there. Well, cool, man. You know, I like these picks. And, you know, when I was going through it, I uh, I was looking at a lot of the ESPN rankings and, and some of the way they graded out some of these guys. And, you know, it's like I remember like looking at Tariq Woolen and it's like, man, he was like a high 70s or something. And like everybody around him in, the, in that round was like 60s or lower. And it's like, OK, you know, right there, you could say that's that's pretty good value, even though it's just one grade on a guy. But there's so many different ways of looking at it, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey, why don't we uh, let's move it on here. Let's do our question of the week, James. And so uh, we were talking about Brady earlier. You know, he's the freaking goat. Uh, he's basically taken over the world. He almost bought the freaking dolphins. You know, he's got this like monster contract, uh, you know, in the booth coming up when he retires. You know, he's doing all sorts of crap with crypto and whatever other stuff in his life. This is a very foolish, silly question, but I'm going to ask it. Will Tom Brady eventually take over for Madden? As in the football game. No. (laughs) I mean, if if anybody was ever going to take over the Madden brand... I mean, it would probably have to be the goat, right? See, I thought you were going to go a different way with this question, so I, <laughs> I, I did some research on the fly, and, and but so I don't think anybody will ever take over the Madden brand. He might be Belichick. Madden, Madden will always <laughs> be the name behind the brand, but Brady might be the face behind the brand. Okay, type of thing. 
I thought what you were going to ask was something a little different. I'll let you give your answer, and then I'll, <laughs> no. I'll ask, ask my secondary question of the week. Uh, you know, I was just being being foolish with the question because it's like Tom Brady's just going to take everything he wants. But, um, I, you know, I would hope that the Madden name brand never changes. I love it the way it is. John Madden, freaking crazy all-time legend. Uh, and, you know, I've been playing that game since I was a kid, man. So, I mean, it'd just be a travesty if it ever changed. But I just thought it'd be fun to ask the question. Where, where did you think I was going with it? I thought you were going to ask, what current player besides Tom Brady do you think would be good in the booth? Oh, all right. Who who uh, who do you think there? And my first instinct, like I like I came across, I thought of a couple of them. You know, I just did a quick quick research on it. You know, and some people would be good, but I think the best person that's current currently in the NFL that's not Tom Brady would be Lamar Jackson, and that's just because. Like if you do, you, have you ever listened to Lamar Jackson's press conferences? Not enough, apparently. Dude has no filter. He says what's on his mind. He so, just so, says so, it. So you want it? You want it for the uh, the abrasiveness? Not the not necessarily the abrasiveness. I just think it would be fucking entertaining as hell to have have the the color commentator say that was a jacked up stupid ass play <laughs> what, the, uh, what the fuck are they doing here like like yeah like you, you, they gotta you bleep them out yeah i just think it would be entertaining well yeah no see i i guess when you asked that question the first name that popped into my head was kirk cousins i thought okay you know the quarterbacks are a good logical fit because they, they're so highly intelligent about the game and then I thought Cousins, we we know just the way that he's developed in the league, super smart, knows what's going on. Uh, but it'd be I'd, I'd like to see some non-quarterbacks get in there. And you know, my my gut's telling me there's, you know, this he's not in the league anymore. But I'd like to see you know like a guy like Luke Keekley, the linebacker from the Panthers, man. Like, oh, could he be fun. doing that? Because he was phenomenal, man. And to be that inside linebacker, you got to be a super smart guy, man. And so, you know, it'd be nice to see some other positions get that kind of a nod. Yeah, the the, the other one I would I would think of would be um, uh, uh, what's his face uh, Taylor Luan because come on, okay. offensive, offensive linemen make great analysts. Like and, yeah, like look at look at uh, Joe Thomas. Look at uh, who else is there? Well, you got Sean O'Hara. You got uh, um, what's the dude that was from the Colts? Um, he was doing it. Probably still is. Yeah, a lot of the offensive linemen they do good with it too. I like I like Joe Thomas, man. And I can't believe how much he cut himself down weight wise. Uh-huh. You know, it's just like, geez, man, that guy. You know, he really. I mean, it's a wise thing to do. You know, like uh, when you're when, when the playing time is over, man, you don't want to be carrying that extra weight if you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's fun. That's a good one to do. I'll have to think more about that one. Um, all right, cool. Well, so, um, yeah, I mean, hey, you know, for anybody who's watching, uh, you know, answer our question of the week. We got a couple of them tonight. Uh, and play Name That Stadium with us. It's uh, it's fun getting some engagement here. 
Uh, it's the off season, so we're desperate to have some interaction. And so, um, yeah, aside from that, we hope you liked the show. If you did, <clears throat> subscribe if you haven't already. Hit that like button or thumbs up or whatever. And James, like always, man, it was a good time. All right, sounds good. I'll catch you later, okay. man. Yep, have a good one. Gridiron Grinder, hut hut hike!